You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. Rise and shine, A's fans. It's time to greet the day with extra base hit. From late nights at the Coliseum. Hits a right field and shallow. A trio of A's kept going out. Makes an unbelievable circus catch. A leaping, diving play by Tony Kemp. To early mornings with a fresh cup of Joe. Say, we've got time for a coffee before you go. That'd be nice. Splendid. Extra base hit will make your day green and gold. Here's the pitch by May with the A's leading 2-1. to one. And it's swung on and missed. And the A's have won it. Here's Jessica Kleinschmidt. All right, welcome back to Extra Base Hit here on A's Cast. Jess Kleinschmidt and Ray Jensen here for the last episode of the regular season. I'm so sad, but not as sad as my dear friend Ray Ray about something that occurred this week. We'll go over that later. A very long, long homestand ahead of us. Three games against the Padres, three against the Mariners, and then finishing it off with four games against the Detroit Tigers. We also have, speaking of those teams, Trevor Rosenthal on, former All-Star reliever. He was on the A's for a blip of a moment. He joins us later on. A lot to go over, but we're going to start out for Friday. I'm so stoked for this. We have the Latin Music Fireworks Show presented by Corona. So it's going to be the sounds of Bad Bunny, J Balvin, Daddy Yankee, and more. And as always, on Friday, you got to come out to the ballpark at 4.30 p.m. for Treehouse Happy Hour, including drink specials, games, live music, and amazing views. Grab $10 tickets by using the coupon code HAPPY at checkout. You know what I was thinking about, Ray? You've been doing all this voiceover stuff, all these commercials. And so when I'm doing some of the announcements i get a little like how am i doing because like you're you're stepping your voiceover game up am i doing okay or am i not up to ray jensen level yet it's not hard to be at ray jensen level just be slightly <laughs> above mediocre and i think you're there <laughs> but, it. but yeah you're, you're doing wonderful as long as i'm slightly above mediocre like i said make sure you're using that coupon code happy at checkout when you get those happy hour tickets Happy is not quite the word I would describe how Ray Ray is feeling today. If you're new to this podcast, first of all, how dare you? Secondly, Ray is a diehard Jets fan. So let's talk about this emotional roller coaster. Heading into the season, Aaron Rodgers hadn't been fully employed by the Jets as of late. We knew it was going to happen. They were just waiting for that perfect trade scenario. It happened though, Ray. You got your quarterback. We were no longer playing is Aaron Rodgers your quarterback yet? But then before the season could truly even start, Aaron Rodgers was injured on his fourth play of the Jets opening game, a torn Achilles tendon done for the season. So how are you handling all of this, my friend? Well, it helps that they came out of that Monday night game with a win. Mm -hmm. And we got four turnovers from Josh Allen, only scored like not even 20 points off those turnovers, needed a punt return an overtime by Xavier Gibson, who was an undrafted rookie from Stephen F. Austin to seal the deal, which it helps that this team has a ton of depth, as I think the national audience saw with our defense and our offense. But, and Zach Wilson wanted an opportunity. Here you go, son. Now's your chance. I'll say this. I'm more confident in Zach Wilson than I think some other Jets fans are because people forget we beat the Bills at home last year with Zach Wilson. 
Mm-hmm. And here we are again. We beat the Bills at home with Zach Wilson with a little bit of a cameo from Aaron Rodgers in the first four plays. If, if you're a fly on the wall in my apartment on Monday, you probably heard words that should never have been recorded, both in mm. jubilation and in frustration. But that's just the New York Jets, baby. It's going to be a roller coaster of a year. Yeah. And you see, you saw the stuff on social media just with like the diehard Jets fans reacting. And, and it's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we were kind of watching this from its infancy. And for it to go down the way it did was just, I mean, it's devastating. Nobody ever wishes anything horrible when it comes to these injuries, especially one as devastating as this. Rogers did make a statement on Instagram saying, thank you to every person that has reached out, called, texted, DM'd, connected through a friend, et cetera. It has meant a ton to me and I'll try and get back to all of you soon. And so he's he's heartbroken and, and these things happen, but you have to remember, I'm not dumbing this down not watering it down because this is this sucks but like you said robert sala immediately said let's not get things twisted zach wilson is our quarterback wilson very much was open with the fact that yes he's learned a lot from aaron Rodgers. everybody on that team did and it's no different we know that aaron Rodgers kind of shaped his offense around himself woody johnson from the beginning owner of the Jets, said whatever you want we got you and every single offensive player, and then some, they were just elated that they get to learn from Aaron Rodgers. I know Will Blackman, who played with Aaron Rodgers on the Green Bay Packers forever ago, we talked about it. And he's, as much as he's a good player, I mean, he's, he's historic, he, you also learn from him. You learn so much from him. And my question for you, Ray, just because of all this going down, I mean, before we found out how severe the actual injury was, does this ruin his Hall of Fame chances? I don't know how Hall of Fame works as much in in football as it does in baseball. I wish baseball went by more of the football Hall of Fame mentality. But what does that mean as far as his future, just the accolades beyond what he's doing now? I don't really think it hurts his Hall of Fame standing. I mean, he's multiple-time MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. He has had as many accolades really as you could as a quarterback outside maybe one more Super Bowl win I think would be the for sure he's Canton bound but I think he's like 90 if not 99 percent there already I think the biggest concern for me selfishly as a Jet fan is yeah you know he's optimistic he can come back but you tore your Achilles around age 40 that's not an easy injury to come back from I know a mm-hmm. player who's just attempting to come back from it, Tariq Cohen. He just signed with a team recently, former Bears running back, and he popped his Achilles not too long ago. And it's a tough road, especially even for a skill position player and a guy as young as Cohen is. So it, it, it's an uphill battle for Rodgers, but I'm optimistic he can get there. Hopefully optimistic he can get there as a Jet fan. But man, they mentioned it on the broadcast, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did on ESPN, that just the history of quarterback woes for the Jets. Vinny Testaverde mm-hmm. in 99 towards Achilles on national TV. Chad Pennington, 03, did the same. And then they kind of malaised over some other ones with Mark Sanchez. He got hurt in preseason, but Geno Smith was already on the team. Then Geno Smith got hurt in his make-or-break year in 2015 by his own teammate. He got his jaw broken mm-hmm. by a teammate over a money dispute, and that led, of course, to the Fitz Magic year. So maybe that'll lead to a magic year for Zach Wilson. I hope so, because it's not going to be an easy slate with how good the AFC East is and how good the NFL is, especially just the AFC in general. And I mean, look at Brock Purdy. That that alone kind of shows things. And when it comes to this, just like you said, when it, especially when it comes to football, injuries, 
you find more players who are hurt than you do who are not. And obviously baseball and football are very much different when it comes to injuries. But, you know, at this point in the baseball season, every guy's injured. They just perhaps just kind of suck it up because we're heading to the, to the home stretch. And so you have to be prepared for these things. And because how devastating these injuries can be, and I, and I don't think this is, this is it for Aaron Rodgers. I really don't. And, and like you said, like I know age is against him and we recover from injuries more difficultly as we get older. But, you know, Robert Sala said, I doubt he's going to retire. Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love, his former Green Bay dude said that it's not about the choice itself. There is no choice. He's going to continue playing. There's no doubt he's going to come back from it. And and here's the thing, though, too. Despite it all, though, I was actually really impressed with the way that a lot of people handled it. I know you're a Jets fan, so you understand, like, how intense they can be. But Green Bay Packers fans were definitely very – I thought they were just going to be insane saying, like, oh, karma or these types of things. But that wasn't the case. So it was, it was actually really cool to see them all kind of come united and saying, like, you know, he'll, he'll come back stronger, but – it kind of blew my mind. I'm still kind of in shock that that took place and not the fact that the injury took place because injuries happened, but so early on, it's just, it's crazy. And I'm, I'm so sorry that you and Jets fans are going through that. It's just the, another day in the life of a fan of the green and white. It's just, you can't make it up, but that's just the way it is sometimes as a Jets fan. It's like a fever dream. But on the other side of things, from going from coast to coast, how about if you're a Niners fan right now? You have to be sitting pretty and I'm not just talking about the beatdown they gave the Steelers to get under the skin of one commander Cody that team looks legit and they they are just now getting Nick Bosa back also I'm so glad that they figured that stuff out actually I reported on it a little bit the Bosa family is definitely a very hardcore football family and all he did was text his dad John saying it's done they were four million dollars apart mind you up until recently, I've been comparing all these football contracts to baseball contracts, and they're finally beefing them up, you know, because now Nick Bosa is getting – and, like, Joe, Joe Burrow, same thing. Like, they're getting paid money that does that shouldn't make them jealous over baseball player money, and I think that they deserve that. They exude themselves so much, and the way that football just creates a fan base, and they're so passionate and – I know it's different because it's once a week compared to, you know, seven games a week for baseball. But now Bosa's the going to be the most highest defensive player paid ever. And I think he deserves that. And it's just so good to see. And you're right with Purdy. And then Brandon Ayuk, Reno's own, showing up. He had, there was that one catch. It was a 16.5% probability that he was going to make that catch. And now I think he was one of the, I think it was the, was it the offensive player of the week or something? Like he, he ended up getting all these accolades. I've always been a Brandon Ayuk Hardo though, from the beginning, even before, before I knew he went to the rivalry high school that beat our asses every year in Reno. But it's just, I love it. I absolutely love it. And Jimmy Garoppolo, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So much for the new look Broncos. I'm not, I'm not bitter at all. Cause Sean Payton can't yeah. keep our name out of his mouth. You know, just tough luck, Sean. You know, he just casually has, like, plays golf with Wayne Gretzky. How do you just ca- casually? Yeah, how do you casually just play with not not just a great hockey player of all time, but one of the greatest athletes of all time and Wayne Gretzky? Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's it's what they do. And it's they have a, the breakfast club. It's him, Gretzky. Oh, Pat Burrell is part of it. They just go to their bougie golf course in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and just 
casual rounds of golf, eating pizza, betting thousands of probably tens of thousands of dollars. Sounds about right. So relatable, right? Extremely relatable. I'm like, yeah, same, same. Take our next weekend trip up to Idaho. Have a, have a ball. Yeah. I mean, we we do these things, Ray. We just don't brag about it. Right. You know what I mean? It's just we're very humbled over here. Mm-hmm. So continuing with, I guess this is a baseball podcast. Saturday against the San Diego Padres. Can I just tell you how excited I am for the Padres to be in town? Early arriving fans can get commemorative socks presented by Chevrolet. Every ticket sold through the special event link for Latin Hispanic Heritage Night. The special event link is 15% off and partial proceeds will benefit the Unity Council, whose mission it is to promote social equity and improve quality of life by building vibrant communities where everyone can work, learn, and thrive. Head to athletics.com slash tickets. That reminds me of a Steph Curry story. He developed a basketball court in Oakland to give kids a place to play, just to like keep them out of trouble and stuff. So I, I absolutely love that. I'm glad that we're giving back to the community in that regard. We have a lot to go over, so stay tuned. But coming up next as Extra Base Hit continues, more announcements, and then we have some, I guess, exciting accolades that we're going to give out to our own players. So stay tuned. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Whether it's a midweek trip to the ballpark to catch a game or a weekend of baseball for the family, grab your tickets for an A's game this season. Secure your seats today for all the biggest matchups, fireworks, drone shows, giveaways, and more. Don't miss out on all the things happening this season. Rose and Seth. It's a drive into center. It's deep, and Straw is back at the track. He will turn and watch it fly. Tickets are only $10, so grab yours now at athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. They got any uh, just coffee? Now back to Extra Base Hit on A's Cast. Here's Jessica Kleinschmidt. Welcome back to Extra Base Hit here on A's Cast. Jess Kleinschmidt and Ray Jensen. The homestand continues on Sunday. 
We're still playing the Padres on Sunday. Love it. Join the A's in the fight against childhood cancer by honoring Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area Wish Kids and their families at the ballpark on Sunday, September 17th. Every ticket sold through the special event link is 15% off and partial proceeds will benefit Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area, whose mission it is to grant wishes to children with critical illnesses across 17 counties in Northern California. A great give back to the community there. We need to talk about this team. And by this team, I mean the Oakland A's, Ray Ray. So there was a lot of favorite moments, and I'm so glad you wanted to talk about this because it's such a fun part of the season. Mark Kotze doesn't like the term spoilers because it does remind us, yes, we are not in the playoffs. But there's always that team that just pisses off the other teams around this time of the season, especially in the AL West where everybody's neck and neck and the team returns to Oakland with, you know, they just finished on the road with a 500 record against really tough teams. So it's really exciting to see. So we want to go over our favorite moments of the season. And I think the first one that really stands out to me, Ray, is you know the, the Hall of Fame induction. It's something that I look forward to every single season. And a moment, I was my brother's, I guess, his best man in the wedding. And I wasn't looking at the bride walking down the aisle as much as I was watching him because I like to see how people are taking it all in. So you see current players soaking it all in, watching these huge names, you know, Giambi was there and seeing them just take it all in. Every single player on that team knows who Jason Giambi is. And I think that that was cool. And he had those, you know, those neon green Christian Louboutins, couldn't get those out of my head. And he was just happy to be there. And it was a cool, like soft side that we've all seen. And I got to learn more about him. Like Ken Korak said, he was just a very curious person. He wanted to know about the opera. He wanted to know about arts. And all we know of Giambi is the dude who just hits the you-know-what out of the ball and made the black uniforms stylish. It's like kind of one of those things. That's definitely one of them for me. What about you, Ray? Yeah, the, the Hall of Fame ceremony is up there. I have to go a little earlier in the season for my favorite moment, which is the 1973 World Series reunion. Definitely some bittersweet moments, especially since you know we got the chat with some of the all-time greats, Raleigh Fingers, Joe Rudy, and I can speak for Townie and Cody when we were very fortunate to speak to Vita before he passed. Yeah. and. It was just kind of heartbreaking to to kind of know that we were maybe the last interview or one of the last interviews he did. But it was good to see those moments of just the 73 team interacting with each other again. Reggie coming into the interview room up in the suite level and Vida just sitting there in awe of Reggie when he was chatting with Townie and chatting with other media that these guys still have so much love for each other after such a long time of not seeing one another. So that, that was really heartwarming to see. I think the one thing, and I talked to former players they miss the most is just the guys just guys being dudes and that's the one thing across every era of baseball we've ever had that remains consistent and I think that that is something that you just see time and time again no matter how much time's gone by you know families lives you know moves getting older dealing with tragedies they just they love their boys and I love that I think Something I noticed was the moment that Zach Geloff got promoted, the entire course of the season changed. And I don't mean they were heading toward playoffs. We know that. But I think it definitely changed the course for the future. And this was more than just what he was able to do. He, of course, was August's rookie of the month. But I love that quote when he says, I hope this isn't the best month I have. And and I think that that was really cool. 
And it's the way that he carries himself too. And the way that the veterans pick his brain, the way that he looks like he was there from the very beginning because of, because of his makeup, because of who he is as a person. And, you know, I know the front office was just giddy seeing that kind of like, I don't want to say like told you so, but you know, for him, and then you have Lawrence Butler who got promoted and same thing. And Lawrence Butler himself said, you know, I know we might be the laughing stock right now, but next year it's going to be different. And Lawrence Butler isn't the type of person to say something that he can't back up. And I really appreciated that. So that's definitely something that I've noticed was a big moment for me this season. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny we bring it up since it's about, I think, two months to the date of Zach Geloff's MLB debut. And I definitely agree with you that the course of this organization changed with his debut because we've seen a lot of good players come up from our minor league system. But I think Geloff just has that energy of he is the guy. And we haven't seen that type of energy since Olsen and Chapman left town, I think. So I think some yeah. finally someone that really exudes not just the confidence, but the ability like those two guys is it was super encouraging to see for a fan of the green and gold. And Lawrence Butler, he's been making massive improvements, just such an early stint in the majors. And Este Uy Ruiz, I think the expectations were just speed, but we've gotten so much more from him and Ryan Nota. So I think we can yeah. definitely see a core forming of the future for the athletics organization. I think Ryan Noda is the most well-rounded player on the team. Not, I'm not saying like necessarily all skills, but personality-wise, he's that guy you're like, why haven't you been on the A's this entire time? You know how you just meet somebody and you're like, you have A's vibes all day, bro. You have all A's vibes all the time. Every single one of Tony Kemp's defensive plays, especially that attempt against the Dodgers where he literally like dove into the stands to make the catch. That's something I really look forward to every game, just when and to the point where there was one play where I don't want to say he didn't give a give an effort, but he didn't give a Tony Kemp type of effort. And we were all kind of like, is he okay? You know, and it just because it was one of those scenarios where he didn't want to kill himself diving for the ball, which, like I said, is he okay? So I think his defensive prowess has been something that has stood out to me over the, the course of the last few seasons. And unfortunately, when it comes to defensive capabilities, because we're so obsessed with numbers and he's they're they're not really hardcore attached to numbers in certain aspects. That's going to be kind of ignored. But I do know we attached a number to him, and NBC Sports California tweeted out a graphic saying he was, I believe, the top player to make catches where he has to leave his feet. And I think he remained the top guy throughout Major League Baseball throughout the entirety of the season. And that's what he said. He was like, "I want to be remembered for a guy who just let it all out and like." dove for stuff and didn't leave anything on the table and he said himself he's like I want, I want to make sure that you never know who pays for a ticket and who's out to watch you we're here to entertain and he definitely makes sure that those people are entertained yeah absolutely and then he's definitely not the type of player who we jokingly makes executive decisions where he's like nah I'm not gonna go for that one I'm just gonna let that one go by me he is not that type yeah. of guy and it's very entertaining to watch and we don't know what the immediate future holds for him next year, but I know with a team as young as this, you still need those veterans in the locker room. And I definitely hope he's considered for a spot next year, if not with us, of another team, because he has a lot of value, I think, left in his ability, not just to play, but to help anybody, not just with 
how to go about your business on the field, but just how to be as a player, how to be as a human being. He's he's our Roberto yeah. Clemente nominee for a reason. I'm glad you mentioned it. Eno Saris was on one of our, I think it was A's Cast Live, and he was talking, it was toward the trade deadline. We were talking about how these guys could benefit another team. And in my mind, I was very much like off, off the field Tony Kemp because he was struggling a little bit in that first half. But, you know, Saris made a good point. Like, how could you not benefit from a Tony Kemp on your team? And he's going to have a job for life. I truly believe that because even if the numbers don't show, but from the playing abilities, like he's still fast. He still gets on base. He knows, obviously, the scenarios and to come through clutch. He knows how to handle a postseason. He knows how to handle those young guys. And he's really embraced it, too, being that veteran presence, even though he's not technically a veteran so i guess he might be a veteran depending on service time but either way yeah and my final one i think it's like it's just a really cool moment because i'm a country music fan but brent brent rooker's walk off home run then to walk on the stage at zach as the zach bryant concert and on that note i think brent rooker did such a great job being the a's all-star representative this season not just in the numbers but how he presents himself And I remember PR was talking to me heading into spring training. They're like, you're really going to love Brent. He's like a great guy to talk to. And as time went on, you're like, oh, this guy's amazing. A great interview. He's authentic and he's really super, super intelligent. And I think when you are the type of caliber player he is, where you're either basically hitting home runs or striking out, you definitely deal with the ups and downs. And he embraced that. He even said he's like, I'm dealing with a lot of the the mental the mental aspects of it all. He's working with the mental skills coach with the A's, and that's something that he's definitely embracing as time goes on. So I think that was a really fun moment for me. Yeah, and the fact that it wasn't his only walk-off of the season shows just how right. much value Rooker has been to the A's this year. And things we got to realize is this is the guy that was through multiple organizations. It's not just a dude that was in the A's organization his entire career. He's been around, so I'm really mm-hmm. happy for him for what he was able to do this year. So future is bright, I think, for him, and I think another guy that I think should get a look with the A's next season. Absolutely. I think he – I remember thinking, like, because I thought he was just going to be, like, the hardcore DH, which he is in certain aspects. Every A team needs that. Like, we had it with Chris Davis. We were trying to figure things out. I thought Jesus Aguilar was going to be that guy that obviously didn't work out. And not like Brent can't play the outfield, but it's, I think that's what the A's kind of, they need that slugger mentality and, and he's that guy. Tuesday, this is what I'm excited for. Join the A's for Filipino Heritage Night presented by Senor Sisig when the A's face the Seattle Mariners. Every ticket sold through this special event link will receive an A's-branded Filipino Heritage hat, exclusive access to enjoy a pregame event, and a ticket to the game later that night. The pregame party hosted by Pilo will, fe- will feature live music with Oxcord and Jamie Baby. Food trucks, games, and more. Championship Plaza will open at 5.10 p.m. The first 1,000 fans to purchase a Filipino night special ticket will receive one free Senior Seasick food item in Championship Plaza. Plaza. Partial proceeds from each ticket will benefit local Filipino nonprofits. Unfortunately, that same night is the final bark at the ballpark game. I'm I'm Filipino, y'all. I come from a Filipino heritage. My mom was Filipino, and... I'm excited for this. I love that we are embracing the Filipino heritage. It's just, it's lumpia and it's loud music and it's a lot of talking and it's craziness. And my Filipino family would love it. If you have an extra hat though, hook a sister up. I have like 25 friends and family who would love that. This 
segment I'm very excited about, right? I'm excited about all my segments with you. But we wanted to talk about the players who made the biggest improvements. And I think the reason why this is important is because of the fact people are just going to look at the win-loss record and say, eh, whatever. But we're in it. We're we're understanding what these guys are going through. And, and we can particularly see how much they've grown because we've watched it. And I think the, the first person I think about is Shea Langoliers and – not just from what he's doing at the plate, because he is absolutely absolutely crushing the ball. He's just one homer shy of becoming the seventh Oakland catcher with a 20 home run season. And since the first, since Ramon Hernandez in 2003, and Ramon Hernandez is a major league assistant. He's also serving as the team's interpreter. So it's kind of cool to just have him there. Um, but I spoke to Shay a couple weeks ago and I asked him, you know, is it nice to see what you're doing behind the dish, catching up what you're doing at the dish. And he said, yeah, but the thing is, is he's, he's a servant mentality. And that's a direct quote from him because he wants to be good as a catcher for his pitchers. The rest is a bonus him hitting. Cool. It's a bonus. And I spoke to Hogan Harris about it. A lot of his pitchers say like, yeah, I definitely appreciate it, but we obviously want him to succeed full well. And Sean Murphy's definitely a guy that's difficult to replace, but he kind of had that same mentality where he was one of the best game planners in the game and he wasn't hitting at the beginning. And then once the hitting kind of caught up with everything else, now he's the guy. And JP Sears says, I think Shay Langoliers is going to have a very long season. Um, and he, you know, like you're learning from Stephen Vogt or sorry, have a long career. You're learning from Stephen Vogt who also had a very long career and 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 Shay even said, when Stephen Vogt talks, you listen, because you want to be like that. And so I feel like Shay's becoming the Shay Langoliers that we can kind of take a breath of because he was, of course, brought over in that Matt Olson trade. And it's always like, who won the trade? Who won the trade? Who won the trade? Like, obviously, Matt Olson hit 51 bombs. We've been talking to y'all about Matt Olson, but you guys only care because now that he's like on the Braves, you want to talk about him, whatever. So I'm, I'm just really excited for him. And he's like a great guy. Um, and he also tattooed against the the team where in his home state in Texas, just coming off of that really strong couple of series there. So he's definitely one of the guys that stuck out to me the most. Yeah, I think you'd be hard pressed to not say Shea has improved. He go from I want to say like six homers last year in his brief stint with the A's in the major league level to one shy of twenty as we record on this Thursday. That's that's not improvement. I don't know what is, Jess. So he's been great. I think a guy that comes to mind for me is J.P. Sears. Now, if you're listening to you go, Ray, he has 11 losses. How has he improved? Well, going into this season, you had questions. Who was going to be part of this rotation? Especially if Paul Blackburn and his injury problems coming out of spring training, somebody had to step up, and J.P. Sears, without a shadow of a doubt, did that. Yes, we've talked about his issues with the long ball ad nauseum, but there's little doubt that when he gets the ball, he's going to give you innings, and that is a value in this current age of Major League Baseball. Yeah, and and it's it was all about consistency, and, and the wins suck, bro. Like, I literally hate that record because I know they don't count, but people love to attach a number to something, and he's been great. I I think his main goal was to just be healthy, and that's why they continue to go out there and prove themselves. And, you know, of course, every single pitcher has their downtime and he actually figured some stuff out very much a roller coaster of a season for him, but yeah, definitely needs more wins and they're not all 
necessarily his fault. Um, and speaking of pitchers, Ken Waldachuk, this is very new. It's very new, but I will say what he's been able to do as of late has been great. I want to look up his numbers here in a second. And I believe in his last four outings, a one, two, nine ERA. And um, I feel like for him, when I talked to him recently, I asked, you know, are you feeling more loose? And it's very observant. Like he's, he's very like to himself and quiet, but I've noticed looking in the clubhouse, he's just so much more relaxed. So I asked him about it and he said, yeah. And this was something that I was very intrigued by Ray, because he said, I'm not worried about specifically pitching to batters. And what he meant by that was he was paying attention to the name on the back of their Jersey. So if he was pitching to a George Springer, he would remind himself that's George Springer. And instead of that, he's just pitching, which sounds sim- simple enough, but that's the thing. If you ever talk to a baseball, the more they simplify their approach, the more they simplify what they do on the mound, the better they are. Polly B last year, I remember I asked him like, hey, like what, what goes on in your thought process during your all-star stint? He goes, I don't think about anything. I can't think about anything. And that's what helps the more they simplify. So it's been really good to see from Ken because he's definitely the guy who's gotten a lot of chances, a ton of chances. And, and I'm thankful for that because you do see some of these guys that don't get as many opportunities, but over his last recent, like I said, last four outings, definitely proving himself. And it has a lot to do with the fact that he's just more comfortable and confident. And he said, he's like, yeah, I'm definitely more loose. So that's, that's definitely good to see. Yeah, it's he has gotten a ton of opportunities because the team desperately wants to find a spot for him. His arm is just too good to not be a part of this organization, whether it's in the bullpen or as a starter. And I, I think the opener strategy with him being the bulk guy helped. And we've seen him be dominant at times. Even during his debut as an A last season late in the year, he was really good. I think we're finally starting to see that guy again in Ken Waldachuk. So I think there's a lot of optimism surrounding Sears and Waldachuk. Medina has been up and down, but I think, again, how electric his arm is. They just got to hone in on something, and I think he's shown more improvement than not throughout the season. So there's some more, I say, cautious optimism around this starting rotation. But when you look at the position player side, I think there is a lot to be excited about. And here's another one, too. Just overall, I think the most improved of the year is the defense. It's night and day compared to how we started out. And you're seeing the smooth double plays, thankfully, from, you know, Nick Allen and Zach Geloff. And then Estee Uri-Ruiz is figuring his, his, his self out there in the outfield. Of course, Lawrence Butler out there now, just a little bit more of a defensive backup and confidence. Ryan Noda, he better get a few Rookie of the Year votes or I'm going to raise hell. And I mentioned Shea Langelier's best defensive. He's he's throwing the crap out of runners, you know. And then um, Jordan Diaz at third base. That was the most struggling position over the last couple of seasons. We didn't even know if Jordan Diaz had a defensive position last season. He dropped some weight. He's able to turn the ball a little bit more. Um, Didn't love the bunt situation that occurred with the Astros because he was kind of wanting this ball to fall in the foul territory when the – the grass is this thick over there in Houston. But I think overall that's been great. And there's a lot there's a lot of positives heading into next season. And I couldn't say that last season. I genuinely couldn't. If you wanted to talk about like the most improved player last season, I wouldn't have done this podcast with you, Ray. You'd be on your own. 
I'd be on an island just waiting for somebody to throw me a life preserver. It's like, I don't know the answer. I was like, Ray, you, sorry, like you're on your own, kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and as the homestand com- continues, Thursday against Detroit is Cal Knight. Calling all bears, it's Cal Knight at the ballpark on Thursday, September 21st. Join current students or your fellow alumni and receive a co-branded A's Cal hat by purchasing a special ticket at athletics.com slash tickets. And speaking of Detroit... We have my guest, our guest, this episode, and it's former A's pitcher, which is interesting. I covered him once. I had one interview with him, and it was via Zoom because it was during the 2020 COVID season, Trevor Rosenthal. I was so excited for this acquisition because he had like a a sub-two ERA across two Royals and Padres teams in the season prior. I sat down with him. We talked about A's and what he's up to now. Of course, you know him as the bullpen connoisseur, Ray. So we talked about that. So here's my chat with him. All right. As promised, Trevor Rosenthal joins the show. Trevor, thanks for stopping by. How's it going today? It's going very well today. Thanks for having me, Miss Jessica. I'm a big fan of your work. You do a great job. So I'm excited to chat. Oh, thanks. I'm a big fan of you, just who you are as a person. And I'm so excited to get involved in that. But for starters, what are you up to these days? You're you're a guy that's brought up every now and then, and people are like, where's Trevor? So where is Trevor? Yeah, that's I'm I'm trying to figure that out too. It's <laughs> been a roller coaster the last few yeah. years. Um, so been working my way back to get on the field again and be productive. I had another setback this year, had a my second Tommy John surgery. I am about 10 or 11 weeks out from that. It's going really well. Um, but other than that, just living life, uh, doing my baseball work, but spending time as a dad and a husband and just enjoying each day as they come. And of course, following Major League Baseball, all my friends and former teammates. It's an exciting time of year. Well, and it's interesting. You're smiling as you're talking about undergoing your second Tommy John. And that's such an interesting mentality to have going through it before, does that help you? Because it's tough, right? You, and you mentioned you're watching your friends play the, the boys that you spent a lot of time with in and out of the clubhouse. How do you maintain a, an optimistic attitude? That's, that's hard to go through. It is. I mean, it's a couple of things like for one, it's definitely, um, a different period in my life where I've grown a lot personally and, um, and just being able to handle different ad- different adversity that might come my way and there is advantage in having gone through the Tommy John before um, knowing what to expect and not being as nervous about the outcome and I think at this point in my career too a little bit more financially secure than I was during the first one the first one hit at the worst time you know going into free agency last year arbitration so just from a financial security standpoint trying to take care of my family it was a little bit scary and now being on the other side of that, having a little bit more cushion and and what to expect for the future is nice. But then also knowing, okay, just go through the work and it's going to take some time. But at the end of the day, um, the chances are that it will all come out very positive in the end. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's definitely a good, I, I just think about it sometimes. And unfortunately, we kind of forget about you guys. When you undergo Tommy John, you escape from us. We don't see you. 
so I often think about like what's going on with you guys, but it, it, I'm glad I have you on because we have an interesting homestand ahead of us. It's the A's. We're hosting the Padres and the Detroit Tigers. So it's really cool. It's, it's very much the Rosenthal homestand and you've been yeah. a part of so many teams, but you were on the A's and it was interesting. I met you via zoom because it was during the 2020 season during spring training, very much a weird season, but you had a little oh, bit yeah. of exposure during the like, with the A's during spring training. So talk a little bit about your very shortened time with the A's and what you took away from that. Yeah. And it's, it's been really fun, you know, reflecting and I've been posting more on social media of some experiences that I've had in my career. And when I reflect on, my time with the A's or a lot of the times when friends and family ask me about different organizations, um, Oakland always comes up in the conversation and, and my perspective on it is a lot of what continues to go on today. I mean, it's, there's so many distractions and so much um, uncertainty and some maybe even animosity around the organization, but it's so cool that, the organization has done such a great job of having amazing people, you know, all the way from the front office down to the coaching staff and the training staff and every, even, even the players and everybody that's really involved in making the wheels turn are incredible people. And unfortunately they've lost some of those really great players to some other teams recently. Um, but that's what always stood out to me is man, there's a lot of things and a lot of excuses that could be made when you're in the clubhouse as to why we should have lower expectations or maybe not be able to compete at the same level as say a, uh, a San Diego Padres payroll or uh, Detroit Tigers who are making a lot of changes in their organization to, to make traction in the future. And um, man, I just really, it was just really eye opening and a great experience to see how, having quality people, people who care about the game or passionate about the game and um, how that can really direct or navigate the course despite you know, an old stadium or uh, uh, I don't know, maybe an angry fan base or just, you know, there's just so many things going on that you could, you could bring those up and let them be a deterrent for giving your best effort, but they, they certainly do not factor in. Yeah, definitely a unique organization for sure. And speaking of unique, I know you have this, this bullpen kind of thread that you put on social media, and I'm so glad that you're embracing social media more and it's picking up a lot of steam because people are curious. They don't get to go in the bullpen with you and you get to kind of give these reviews about what makes it different or what makes it unique. You have 10 of them so far. I don't know if you've added any more, but what is, why did you decide to do this and why a bullpen review? Yeah, I have been, you know, trying to find my voice, I think a little bit on social media. It's um, a big part of our world now and something that I had been reluctant to be heavily involved in in the past. And I'm still maybe on the fence um, to some degree, um, it, it, but because it, it does, I mean, it takes time and it takes a lot of effort to portray the the voice that you really want to portray and make sure people that are you know, understanding your point of view and where you're coming from. But the response from pulling back the curtain a little bit on some of the nuances that may not be considered in everyday conversation, it's it's been really cool to see the feedback. And I've enjoyed it too. I've been, I've enjoyed just the self-reflection and it's brought up a lot of memories that maybe I would have 
forgotten <laughs> if I hadn't started to record some of those now. What makes like think about like your dream bullpen scenario? What is it made up of to just whether it pumps you up before you go in or what's the perfect bullpen for Trevor Rosenthal? Yeah, that's man. I think, and I think it doesn't really exist. I think there's a, as a bullpen pitcher and you know, your livelihood being made as a relief pitcher, you get, you you, you quickly understand that I have to be able to adapt. I have to be able to handle situations that aren't as favorable as maybe somewhere else because they're constantly changing and no two bullpens, no two stadiums for that matter are exactly the same. So there's so many variables that come into play. Um, I think one of the things that would be cool to see is having a bullpen more involved with the dugout. I know the on, the on-field bullpens do do that to some degree. Yeah. Um, uh, especially being in San Francisco before they moved there on the field bullpen, there was no place to really sit. So you did were able to sit in the dugout and be a part of the team. But for the most part, you're detached during the game and you're kind of put out and you're like a team within a team. It's like I describe it. You're like uh, like the fire department or something where when there's an emergency, you know, you call and there's going to be somebody that answers the phone every time and they're going to send in help no matter what. Um, but being det detached from the action is, and from your teammates too. I mean, oh, yeah. you want to cheer them out and you want to be involved and, um, be right there when good or bad things happen. Um, so I think my dream bullpen would be one where I kind of like where the batting cages are in most okay. stadiums, but mm -hmm. in the dugout, if they could turn that into like a bullpen area, I think that would be an interesting idea. Um, but yeah, it's hard. I, I like that because I don't, th I think about that too. It's like, oh, hey, good to see you. I know we were on the field with each other all game, but like we weren't at the same time and you check in with them after the game or obviously if you're in the middle of like a long relief sit situation, like then it's like, oh, hi, good to see you. By the way, we were on the same team. Did you know that? Can I just check? Yeah, and especially, yeah, like as a closer, I mean, you don't get to sit in the dugout at all yeah. because when your inning's done, the game's over. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> guess it's over. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic. And uh, some of the feedback from teammates, I think, is quite hilarious. Like I've had, you know, a third baseman come up to me. He's like, man, your job is the best. Like you just come in, throw 10 pitches and you get all the glory and your day's over. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a, exactly how it goes, right. especially if I don't get the job done. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we get it. We miss out on some of the the fun, the fun things that happen in the dugout for sure. Well, and with the A's particularly the Coliseum, like we still have the bullpen on the field. What and it and I forget that that's not a normal thing anymore just because of all the exposure. But so you're kind of you embraced that. And and but what about the other aspects to it? Because we're I mean, there's a safety issue, of course, and then it's just different and it's unique, but are there negative aspects to that as well? A little bit. I mean, depending on the fan base and the point in the season, you know, as, as you get more intense competition, being readily accessible to fans, isn't always the best thing. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're trying to kind of like focus and get right. in your mindset, and, you know, you got, you got a Phillies fan down your neck about some stat that they pulled off of the internet and they're bugging you about it. That's not 
it's not the best. And and then for me, like I've always had a very like structured routine of like how I like to get ready. And mm-hmm. you find a lot of the time with on-field bullpens, there's not the the proper space to really get in some of those movements or stretching type of activities that you would otherwise have in a more dedicated area. Yeah, that's that's true because you're all you're all you're already on the field at that point. You don't have a chance to kind of get in your mindset. Um, a question that I've actually never asked a lot of closers, how do you come up with the decision for your walkout song? Everybody's different. Okay. I've been so for me, like I I I wish I could go back and like change some of my perspective or my approach to some of the game. Um, I've very much approached it like a job and, you know, I'm here to do one thing. And so I didn't allow myself to get too caught up in, in the warm up song or the entrance of choice. So there's been years where I've let, I've, I've even let the general manager pick like, Hey, oh, that's what, fun. What song do you think? <laughs> yeah. And it turned out great. And, yeah. and I think letting other people that are maybe more passionate about it than I am has turned out well. Um, because my preference might not be as appealing to a larger, larger population. But um, so, yeah, I've been mostly like kind of hands off, whatever, whatever someone else picks and thinks is cool. I'm good with it. Most of the time by, by the time the phone rings and I'm heading into the game, um, I don't even really hear what's going on in the stadium anyway. I love that. No, and it's true. And because at the end of the day, like we we also want to entertain the fans. And I think that's very selfless of you. Um, what about over the years? Because when I first got started in the industry, and I talked to Lance Lynn about this, he said, if you came out of the bullpen, you were a reliever, your career was pretty much over. But I feel like there's way more respect toward the bullpen now. That's monetarily, it's it contractually. What have you noticed about the transition from maybe beginning of your career with the bullpen guy compared to now? Yeah, it's there's been a big shift. Um, I think just looking at pitching as a whole, I mean, pitching is so important and, and always in high demand. And so no matter what you bring to the table, if you're able to do it at a high level, there's always going to be a need. Um which has really benefited me in, you know, throughout the different setbacks that I've had. I've been able to come back and have really great opportunities despite, um, you know, some recent injuries and, and things like that. Um, but the game is, is definitely changing. And when I first came up that Lance, you know, Lance and I came up in 2011, 2012. And at that point in time, especially in St. Louis, it was pretty much a guarantee that our starter starting pitching were, was going to go late into the game. They were going to be still on the mound, yeah. the sixth, seventh, maybe even the eighth inning. And um, there were really only two, maybe three important guys sitting out in the bullpen. Everybody else was there to fill in if things didn't go how we were expected. And most of the time we would be losing in those situations. Um, whereas today to see a starting pitcher get through five solid innings and hold it's a, a miracle kind of, yeah, yeah, it's the expectation. And, um, and teams have kind of shifted their approach and, and putting guys in different roles and transitioning starters in and out. Okay. Last one for you. You have this really cool thread. Um, you're just the threading machine on social media, Trevor, these days, but <laughs> it's leadership. You're talking about leadership a lot. And I feel like, you know, 
over the course of your career, and of course, your family man, leadership comes in different forms. What does leadership mean to you? What is it like? Or how do you define being a good leader? Yeah, I actually, just before we got on this call, was having a conversation with a reporter in St. Louis, and we were talking about Adam Wainwright. And, you know, he he's in his final season of his career and scratching away to get number 200 win on the win column. He just got 199, which is really exciting. Um, but what kind of kept coming up is, Adam and a lot of other guys that I was around, especially early in my career in St. Louis, were these amazing people that, um, you know, you wouldn't expect the level of intellect or intelligence out of, uh, I think this is just kind of a, a broad view of, you know, a baseball player drafted out of high school and all he's ever done is play baseball and um, that might be all he, all he knows. A lot more brawn than brain, I think, could be the mm -hmm. assumption and um, from what I have experienced, like these are some incredible people. Not only are they um, very smart and, and driven people, but the level of um, excellence and the level of selflessness that they have demonstrated really impacted me and has helped me have um, a lot of advantages in my career and then also in my personal life. And as I've moved throughout different organizations now, working on eight or nine different organizations, I came to realize that's not as normal or not as prevalent everywhere and there's not an Adam Wainwright in in every organization and and then in in just the world in general I think that um the positivity and that kind of like that positive me message of hey you can do it and there's people around you willing to help I think that has gone maybe to the wayside a little bit so just you know just trying to basically give back some of the things that have helped me some of the lessons that I've been taught by others and that I've experienced in my life through challenges and adversity and trying to relay that message and not just keep it for myself. And, and I found by, you know, through the act of giving, it really has benefited me maybe even more than some of the people that I've worked with personally. And um, it's been, it's been a great joy. And I think there's there's a, there's so many challenges that every single person goes through and i think knowing like okay someone else has gone through some of these things and this is what helped them and and to see them doing well ultimately that's my goal you know i think uh there's so many players that are in my shoes and have careers that come to an end all of a sudden most baseball players careers come to an end before they expect them to and and i just want to continue to be that positive light like you know, you can do it and there is life outside of baseball and there's still life to be made in baseball. Um, but you have to have that. You have to have some of those basic core habits and, and principles in place in order to achieve those things. And and I guess that's my goal. That's my goal with, with continuing to encourage people to be leaders and really what leadership is, as you find out, it's not just being in a position of authority a, a, a lot of the times the yeah. best leaders are the ones you never even hear about and they're making the most impact and um i think to be a great leader a, a great way to know if you're leading people well is if you're creating other leaders around you and and that's what i bring up adam wainwright for because he's impacted me and he's turned me into a leader in many ways and he's done that with so many others as well. And it'd be, it'd be a shame not to pass that along. 
And it's interesting because when I think of like a leader, you, you think about somebody who's just up here and you're below and that's not the case. And I feel like with Wayno, he wanted to remind everybody, like, I'm one of y'all, you know? And I, and I think that that's, you, you know, you said it before and for, for Wayno though, just a guy like that, I know he said that he wanted to end his career on a high note. How do you know if you've ended your career on that high note or not? It's man, that's a great question. (laughs) I'm still trying to find some of the answers, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, it comes down to, I mean, the, the mind for one, the the mind is so powerful. And Mm -hmm. before anything happens, you have to believe that it's going to happen. And you can see that when, when Wayno takes the mound, all you have to do is look on his face, the look that he has on his face, he's got this intensity about him. And you know, there's no doubt in his mind that he's going to accomplish exactly what he set out to accomplish. And it doesn't always work out that way, but the odds are definitely in his favor. And he's proven that over a, you know, a 20 plus year career in baseball. And, and now as we, he's, searching for career win number 200 Wow! in the seasons winding down. He just got 199 the other day. He's had, he's had a tough season. He hasn't been able to, I'm sure get that, you know, notch in his belt as quickly as he had anticipated, but there's no doubt that in his mind, it's going to happen. And I think that's what it comes down to is everything will happen for one, if you believe, and then two, it'll happen in perfect time. And a lot of the times it's not exactly what we had imagined. Um, but most of the time it's even better than we could have ever imagined. Ooh, so I'm I over here getting ex- inspired as hell. Like, oh my God. I know. And it's such a, it's, 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 a, it's a tough reality to live by because with all of the instruments and um, accessible data and, uh, you know, being con- the connectivityness of our world is better than ever. So you feel it gives you this false sense of like, I'm in control and I can make things happen the way I want them to happen. But I found the more that you kind of just let go and let things happen, like they'll end up being even better than what you had anticipated. And yeah, it's not always the best for it to go exactly how we want either. A lot of surrender. The moment I started surrendering, things got better for sure. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's true. And you still have to show up. Like you still, have, like you have to show up. You have to work, and you have to back up that belief with some action. Um, but it's exciting, I, and I, I can't wait to see how this season ends for Wayno. He's got one ninety nine now. I don't know how many more starts he has. Uh, we're getting close, but yeah. man, it's like it's creating this really cool story too, where yeah. who knows? I mean, I, I think about it as, I mean, he's pitched in world series games, all-star games and all these big games. And I mean, it could end up being his last start of his career might be yeah. the biggest one Ooh, of his career. That's amazing. Oh gosh. That like got me so excited. I hope so. Oh, that's great. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it's not against the A's, but you know, <laughs> rooting for my boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Trevor, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jessica. That was my chat with former slightly of a small outing campaign, couple of spring training outings from Mr. Trevor Rosenthal. 
great conversation. He reminds me a lot of Tony Kemp. You ask him about baseball and he's going to give you a life lesson. And I really appreciate that from him. The Detroit series continues on Friday. Early arriving fans get an Estee Uri Ruiz t-shirt presented by Xfinity. And it's also the last treehouse happy hour of the season. And I believe there was a lot going into this Ruiz shirt. Let me pull back the curtain a little bit, Ray Ray. We had to get the approval from Ruiz, of course. Um, And I'm excited because knowing that the player gave the go ahead and Ruiz is, he drips. He's got like, he's got the necklaces. Sometimes they're chains. Sometimes it's beads. Sometimes it's, and he's, he's legit. He's so much fun. So to know that he gave the go ahead was really good. And on Saturday, early arriving fans get a MLB network hat. You know, I'm excited about that because it's going to match my outfits, which is all I care about. I think, I think we're good here, Ray. Yeah. A lot to cover. I mean, it's, there was a lot to cover. It was a, there was a roller coaster of emotions that episode. It was, it was a big homestand to kind of get all of our last emotions out, all of our (laughs) thoughts with this team and we still have a, yeah. a nice road trip to top it off after we finish up against the Tigers. We go to Minnesota, go to L.A. one more time, or Anaheim one more time, I should say. And I don't then that'll like that they finish on the road. It annoys me. Well, yeah, we're selfish. We want them I... to finish at home. Yeah, I say my goodbyes before it's over. That's just rude. It is. It is pretty rude. I will have to talk to somebody at the league about scheduling next year. Like, put us in yeah, mind. Forget why everyone else. Why weren't you thinking of Ray and I? <laughs> I'm sure they're responsibly pretty short and to the point. Yeah, <laughs> I did it, everyone. I love Ray Jensen. I, I love it. Ray Jensen so much. I'm going to cry. This is great. But yeah, hopefully we see you guys out at the ballpark. Um, a really fun and long homestand. I'm going to soak up as much as possible. This is definitely one of my more fun seasons overall, Ray. Maybe we can do something quick before like the end of the season. We'll have an extra base hit before the actual end of the season. I say that now, but then Ray's going to like schedule it. I'm like, oh, no, just kidding. But I'm really excited because it's definitely been an interesting season just for the team overall. Like, obviously, I've had a crazy personal life, personal season. Um, I've definitely grown a lot. But this is probably one of my more successful career years. I will say that. And thank you for doing all of this because this was such a blast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was it was a no-brainer when I was asked to work a few on this and be your producer. And it's been a really fun time. And I definitely want to continue this depending you know schedule wise into the off season and beyond mm-hmm. so this won't be the last time you hear from us which is either a good thing or a bad thing depending on <laughs> <laughs> depending on your opinion but yeah no you, this is not the last this you've heard, never heard the last of us <laughs> but it, it's been a, a fun season it's, it's been not so fun at times in terms of on field results but you, you can't deny as we've talked about this entire episode the growth that you've seen from the players on the field and regardless of your opinions of the future of this organization, I think you have to agree on that, that the exciting young players have brought a ton of energy to this organization, and it's been wonderful to see. You feel a direction now, which is not something we really saw at the end of last season. There was optimism, but now it's more concrete. And and like you said, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But And, and I, I just get very disappointed that we can't say – you know, I know the numbers don't always show it, but if you're in it and you see it personally happening, I was just talking to Rosenthal about it. You got to watch these these guys heading into spring training, and now they're young men, you know, and they're, they've grown so much. And 
Kotz mentioned it. He he learns a lot in failures. And I'm not saying oh loss is a failure, but there's a lot of failure that happens in this game. You know, think about it. Tony Kemp once said, "We're playing a game at the highest level of failure." Think about it. A 300 batter failed two out of three times. It's it blows my mind. So it's a whole mental aspect, but yeah, we can be all lovey-dovey in our next episode, but this was really fun. I had a blast, Ray. You're the best. For Ray Jensen, this is Jess Kleinschmidt, and we will see you out at the ballpark. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is the number one brand of online mattresses and the Bay Area's favorite mattress store. Take home the Easy Breather Pillow. The New York Times calls it their number one pick. You can navigate their easy news website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans use the coupon code Oakland and you get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding, love where you sleep. This is Chris Townsend, and if you're looking for a great place to eat and watch games, go see my friends at the Chicken Pie Shop at Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop is one of the hottest restaurants in Walnut Creek. You're not going to find a better menu and come try their world-famous chicken pie that has been served in Southern California for 86 years. Spacious indoor and outdoor dining, perfect for your next private party or corporate event. Don't forget free parking. For more information, go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.